0: hope, don't we? And this book brings about hope. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of everything going on in our world, even in our own lives, this book brings about the hope of God that he has not forgotten us, his people and his church. Amen? Amen. We are attempting to go through, and some of you are wondering why we're going through Ruth here now after, um, you know, already preaching through the minor prophets. Um, It's because the, the Bible was set up in the Hebrew language, the way that Jesus read it was the Torah or the law, the prophets, and then the other writings. And Ruth is a part of the other writings, and so we... Reading it in the Hebrew way all the way through or attempting to preach every book of the Bible. At least one section there showing us Christ in every book. Hoping that as we study the scriptures together in 2022, when we open the Old Testament in 2023, in January of 2023, and we read the whole Bible, we see Christ on every page of scripture and how the book is unfolding for us the majesty and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As God is working in every point of history bringing us the, to Jesus and God's salvation for his people. This book is a beautiful book. And if you are ever depressed, if you are ever lonely, if you ever feel without hope, I suggest that you read the book of Ruth and read it again. And read it again until your heart sings of the glory and the majesty of our God, okay? We're going to talk about the book here. As the book opens in chapter 1, With these words, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and the man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephraim. Ephrites from Bethlehem in Judah, they went into the country of Modab and remained there. The book opens with the words, in the days of the ju- when the judges ruled. Now if you turn back your Bible, the book before is Judges, and we know how bad it was during those days as the people of God did what was right in their own eyes. They had rejected God's word and his way. It was the day of Samson and Gideon and the judges, but it was often shrouded in the wickedness of God's people, and he would raise up someone to bring about God's salvation called judges. And then the the people again would return to their wicked ways. The book of Ruth actually takes us back to the Garden of Eden when God pronounces the curse upon Adam and Eve as they are fallen, as they are sinful people. In the book of Ruth, there is a famine, but the Famine is in the promised land. Remember in Joshua, the promised land flowing with milk and honey, all of these produce, all of this food, and now the land is not producing food. One of the curses of the fall. The land not producing food. The people have Strayed far from the Lord. And so Naomi and her husband leave Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. There's no bread in the house of bread. They leave the house of the Lord, the house of bread for Moab. Remember, Moab comes from Lot. And his daughters, which come from an incestuous beginning and are a very wicked people. A people, in fact, the Moabites, who were not allowed into the assembly of Israel because of their hatred against God's people when they they sojourned from Egypt to the promised land. This is what Deuteronomy chapter 23 3 says about Moabites No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet with you bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. So the Moabites actually hired a guy to try to curse Israel. Remember Abraham's promise, those who bless you, I will also bless. And now the Moabites have cursed God's people. They're not allowed into the assembly of God's people to the 10th generation. Now I want you to remember that, 10 generations would not enter the assembly. So of course, Naomi and her two sons go to Moab, right? Because that's what Israel's is doing. What is right in their own eyes at this time, during the time of Judges and her two sons, Milan and Chilion, take Moabite wives, right? I mean, this is, again, going down, down, down. But yet again, the curses of the garden come about as the sons marry and live 10 years without bearing children. So the pain in childbearing, literally heartache and trouble in childbearing of the curse of the Garden of Eden, the curse of the fall of mankind is bearing now no food The land is not producing the food that it once did in the garden. There's pain in childbearing. They're not able to produce children, a barren womb, and the last curse, death, now comes upon Naomi's two sons. Their names Malon and Chilion, meaning sickly and spent, okay? That's their name meaning. They die. Why? Because their names are sickly and spent. Most likely because of a lack of nutrition when they're young. Because of the famine. They're named that, sickly and spent. Not necessarily the greatest of times in Israel's history, right? But verse 6 brings a ray of hope for us, Naomi and her family. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Hmm. She heard While she was in the field, that the Lord had visited his own people in Israel. So she sets her sights to return to the house of bread, Bethlehem. But her daughters in laws are Moabites, it's all she has left of her family. And she recognizes they are outside of the people of God. And she tells them, return to your homes and your families. One daughter-in-law, her name is Orpah. She's a loud talk show host. So she stays in Moab. And Ruth declares she's going with Naomi to God's country. Stillwater, I mean Bethlehem, okay. Uh, so Ruth 1 says Ruth declares her profession of faith I believe is here in 16 but Ruth said to Naomi do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you will go I will go And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go, she said no more. So uh, Ruth stays with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and they come to Bethlehem broken and empty-handed. Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means something like pleasant or sweet. Call me Mara, which means bitter. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty, is what she says to her people when she returns. So Naomi, is her countenance is not good as she calls herself bitter. She's probably bitter with the Lord as well. But she has Ruth. And she'll say later that Ruth is better to her than seven sons. So Ruth goes to the field during the wheat harvest time and she begins picking up the leftovers. In these days, this was a way to help the poor. When they were gathering wheat, they would leave what was picked over the first time as a way for the poor to come behind and pick it up. Leviticus 19.9 tells us what God had provided for the poor to be able to feed themselves. Leviticus nineteen nine. 9, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your fields right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyards bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So basically, Naomi and Ruth are in a difficult position. They are widows. They are poor. And for Ruth, she is an outsider. She is a foreigner. She is a Moabite. And they have nothing. Yet, the hands of the living God is orchestrating a plan to bring about his glory for the nations through a widow from Moab. Ruth chapter two, verse three, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Elimelech. No, so when we are introduced to the character of Boaz in this story, we're supposed to have giant theme music as Boaz enters into the room. Dun 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 Boaz. As he proclaims to his reapers, the Lord be with you. And they all respond to him, the the also with you, right? And he's, he's this giant man's man figure who comes from Bethlehem to look at the fields. And he sees a woman. And he says, Whose woman is this? And that's the question, whose woman is this? Throughout the book of Ruth. And he speaks to Ruth and he says, don't go to another field, stay here. And he gives her bundles of barley, even saying to her, drink from my well if you need water. And she is so overwhelmed with gratitude, knowing that someone has seen her, knowing that someone knows her, someone is looking out for her. And she goes back to Naomi and tells her what has happened. This man, he saw me working in the field and he talked to me. And he said, "Stay here and I will keep you safe. Don't go to another field and even drink of my water when you need it." And she says to Ruth, Naomi responds to Ruth, "He is one of our relatives. He is a redeemer. What a beautiful story of God's grace orchestrating his plan. So the end of the harvest season comes. No more gleaning in the fields. And we pick up our story in chapter three. This is where we'll preach from this morning. Chapter three, verse one. If you'll stand with me. In reading of God's word, we'll read through verse 13. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative With whose young women you were, see he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this kindness greater than the first, in which you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman, And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Let's pray. You can be seated. Father, we thank you for your redemption of us. Your willingness for us to buy us back, Father, we are overwhelmed with your grace and mercy, and we need an ear of your love this morning. That we may sing in our hearts a new song of our salvation, of our redemption, of how we have nothing to offer to you and yet you want us. You bring us into your family. Father, we are overwhelmed by your love for us. We are thankful for this story that displays the glory of God to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You see, the best stories in life are the ones that display the glory of God. Hollywood cannot write a better story than the book of Ruth, though they try, right? I I say this often, not all stories display the glory of God. Not all stories display the gospel, but in the greatest stories of our time, there is hints or even slivers of the gospel telling the story of of God's grace and his love for the unlovable. Disney has actually made a fortune of telling stories that have threads of the gospel. They've gone away from that in recent days. But their greatest hits are the stories of redemption. One of those stories is about a young, beautiful woman who loves to read. She's very innocent and somehow is captured by a a monstrous beast. And in the most surprising way, the love of the young woman changes the beast who thinks that he himself is unlovable, only for the beast to respond to her love with a sacrificial-like love, one that he is willing to die for her. Hmm, where do we see that? In which actually transforms him back into a man. You all know the movie, Tale as Old as Time, Song as Old as Rhyme, Beauty and the Beast, right? That's the movie, if you haven't got it. Well, in a similar way, that's how we, the bride of Christ, are. Except we are the beast. We are the ones cast out of the garden, cursed and burdened with sin and tribulation. We find ourselves unlovable standing next to a pure and holy and righteous God, but then something in ourselves is awakened because of the love that God has for us. Only we respond to that love with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving, we are transformed into the image of Christ. You see, it's the story of us as the church, but it's also the story of God's people Israel who have become like the Moabites. The book of Judges basically concludes that Israel is worse than the nations God drove out before them in Canaan. And Israel finds themselves against God, outside of God's promises, outside of the garden, outside of the promised land, and returning to the Lord with nothing but heartache and pain. And in a surprising turn of events, he doesn't want to just take care of his people as they take refuge in him. He wants to bring them into the family of God. In this book of Ruth, Boaz will marry Ruth. And again, as we talked about two weeks ago in the Song of Solomon, the wedding is a key theme of the book of the Ruth as the bridegroom takes his bride in. The beauty and beast type of ending to a beautiful story. But you see, God wants to buy back his people so they can have the full rights and inheritance of the king. The story of Ruth has so many layers, but it's the story of God's love for his people. It's the prodigal son told in a different way God's redemption story leaping from the pages to tell of his wondrous works in which he works in the life of you, his people. When we read of the book of Ruth, we should rest, being satisfied in knowing that Christ is my redeemer and I will rest safely under his wings, knowing I have nothing to offer to him, and he receives me anyway. Let's look at verses one through four as we began. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, "'My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, "'that it may be well with you? "'Is not Boaz our relative, whom whose young women you were? "'See, he is winnowing barley tonight "'at the threshing floor. "'Wash, therefore, anoint yourself, "'put on your cloak, "'and go down to the threshing floor.'" But do not make yourself known to the man until it is finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. God has a plan to redeem his people, Naomi has a plan. But Naomi's plan is nothing compared to how God has orchestrated the plan for his people. To redeem us, the church, to redeem Israel. God has a plan to redeem his people. Remember Genesis 3. God curses the ground, says to the woman, there will be pain and childbearing, says to the man, there will be death. From dust you came, dust you will return. It seems as God is against man. But in this story and throughout the pages of scripture, God is unfolding his grace and his mercy towards his creation, God is at work through the offspring of a woman who will crush the head of the serpent. He gives hope amidst the curse in Genesis that there will be one who will come from woman who will crush the head of the serpent. You see, it is God's plan for. Boaz and Ruth to Mary it is his plan to bring about Obed their son and who will Obed bring about Jesse and who will Samuel go to as the next king of Israel after Saul he will go to the house of Jesse Jesse and he will find a squirt young man, a redheaded young man there, last of the brothers. His name is David. And from the son of David will come one whose kingdom will have no end. From the son of David will come Christ. You see, God is reversing the curse in this story, because of his mercy, the grounds God provided in Bethlehem, pain and childbearing, God provided Naomi with a grandson. and death, well, death will be overcome through the son of David, who is Jesus. Now, remember the 10th generation I told you earlier, if you were listening very carefully, if you wasn't, I said earlier, no Moabite was able to come into the assembly until the 10th generation. Why 10 generations? Because God was bringing Ruth as the 11th generation. God would place a Moabite woman in the line of Jesus. Read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Look at it with me. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon. If you're counting, it's 10 generations. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, the 11th generation, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. It's interesting when you read this, who is Boaz's mother? It's Rahab the Canaanite prostitute who helped the spies in Jericho. So God not only has a plan to take a a Moabite who is unable to have children to the field of a relative, Boaz, who happens to notice her, who just so happens to be the son of a prostitute, a Canaanite woman, Rahab, to become the great-grandmother of David, overcoming famine, pain, and childbearing death, the three curses to bring about the king of Judah who will bring about Christ. Amen? Don't tell me this book is not real. When you read the scriptures It comes to life that our God has a design and a plan for your salvation and your redemption. I guess the question would be, if God had a plan for Naomi and Ruth, does he have a plan for you? Does he know the hairs that are on your head? Does he know... How he will bring your struggle into part of his redemption story? Throughout the book, we know one thing. We know that Ruth trusted in God. She did not cower back into shell mode. No, she took bold steps to a land that she did not know, without a husband, to the fields to work, to the threshing floor, to possibly being rejected by Boaz, knowing she's a Moabite. She took bold steps of faith all the way through. And what is the Lord asking you to take? Knowing that he is in control and sovereign over all things, even the loss of your loved ones. What kind of bold steps is he asking you to take? You know, sometimes we become like Mara, so deep in our struggle that we become bitter in our own hearts. We've forgotten the faithfulness of our God. And we must read the book of Ruth over and over and over again to soften our own hearts to realize the Lord loves me. He has a plan for me. Even in sickness and in pain and in death, God still has a plan for me in his redemption story. So she goes at the threshing floor, <clears throat> she, Naomi has this plan. And it's almost like a wedding proposal to Boaz. Get all cleaned up, put on your best, go to where he is sleeping. And when he wakes up, there he's going to tell you what to do. But she has a lot of boldness to do this. It takes a large step of faith being who she is, a servant who is poor, who has nothing, who is a Moabite to say, I want to be redeemed. She, she could say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm great where I am right here. I'm, I'm now being provided for. I'm, I'm, I'm great with, with having some food. Now me and Naomi are taken care of. No, but, but because her, her extra step of faith, of her faithfulness, of her boldness to go in, into and ask Boaz to redeem her, a Moabite, now the Lord is gonna bless so much more. I wonder how many of us are just comfortable where we are right now. Instead of taking bold steps of faith, we're, we're just great. That we're a Christian, that we're taken care of. God wants us to take steps of faith. And she does. Let's look at what happens here. And she replied, verse five, All that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down at midnight. The man was startled, turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. God's people take refuge under the wings of their redeemer. That's our second point this morning. God's people take wings under the God's people take refuge under the wings of their redeemer. Kind of a strange story, right? But it's a good plan from Naomi. Because if you have your feet uncovered at night, you're going to go, you're going to wake up and you're going to be cold. Because it wouldn't be very good of someone to go and, and if you do this today, you'll probably get thrown in jail. So don't do this young people. If you're trying to ask somebody out or you're trying to propose to them, don't go lay at the foot of their bed. You'll probably get thrown in jail. It just doesn't happen this way. In our world, but if you're going to lay at the, at the foot of someone 's bed and you don't want to startle them and wake them up, you uncover their feet so that they will wake up on their own and when he wakes up, she 's right there for the proposal that's well look at that you know. <laughs> But Ruth's response to Boaz, or the proposal here, is actually comes from Boaz's statement to her. Look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> this is when they met their first time. But Boaz answered her All that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother, your native land, and came. To a people that you did not know before, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whom, whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz uses this word; he he almost declares a blessing over her. That the Lord is going to cover her. That the Lord is going to be her refuge. That the Lord is going to reward her for her faithfulness in God himself. You know, it's interesting. When they first met, Boaz and Ruth, Boaz as this owner of tons of vineyards, he's this very wealthy man. He comes in, he's, you know, the music is playing, dun, 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 as he walks in, and <clears throat> all this is happening, and Ruth has just traveled a very far way as a widow, probably not having any money or clothes, she's foraging for food on the ground, okay, okay? She's literally dumpster diving as they meet. Not the best place, right? Not the best first meet. If you're a woman, that's probably not the presentation you want to provide is scraggly and in the dust and dirt trying to find food. Food. And yet Boaz notices her. Because Boaz is a new kind of man. He's not looking at the outward beauty. But he's looking into the inner beauty. And this is what God does of us. And now... She is at the foot of Boaz's feet, asking him boldly, in faith, to take her, the Moabite woman, into his family, to marry her, to take her in, all of her baggage, all of her things, to take her in to his family. You see, in, in those days, when one person got into debt, your property or your land was the first thing to be sold. And you had the, the right to buy that land back. And often a family member would come and to the aid And this is why they would call it kinsman redeemer. Kinsman, just a fancy word for family. As this person in your family would buy back the land in which you were indebted to. And if there was no son, this kinsman redeemer would take you in and continue that line so that you would have a son that you would have food, that you would have line, that you would have prosperity, that you would have land. And just as Boaz has said that Ruth has taken refuge under the wings of the Lord, Ruth now asks Boaz to spread his wings over her. Three things a redeemer must have in order to redeem someone, Okay. They must have the right to redeem. They must be related to that family member. If they're a distant outsider, if they're a neighbor, they don't have the right to buy back the property, to redeem the family. They must have the right to redeem. They must have the means to redeem. They must be wealthy enough to take in a new family to buy back their land and they must, be, they must have a willingness to redeem. They have to want to. They, they can choose not to. And this is the beauty of the gospel, right? The story of Christ. You see, Jesus had to have the right to redeem. This is why he took on flesh and made his dwelling among men to become A human like us, so that he had the right to redeem, being born of a woman to save humanity. He certainly had the means, he never sinned. He was filled with the righteousness of God, and he paid the price for our sin. bought us back from the depths of hell to save us. And the third thing is he had the willingness to redeem, enduring the cross, taking the sin of the world so that we could become children of God. Church, this is the gospel. You see, the story of Ruth is the story of us the people of God who really have nothing to offer who are outside of the family of God and yet he takes us in by his mercy and grace that we could refuge under his wings and that he would redeem us a woman named Charlotte Elliot lived in 1834 her brother was a pastor And he was trying to launch a new school for girls who couldn't afford to go to the school. So, to fund it, they held a huge bazaar to raise money, right? We've heard of these, we've seen these. Everybody was busy cooking and sewing, building things, except for Charlotte. Her health was really bad, she was bedridden. And everyone was using their their bodies to, to produce this great fund for this school and doing all this work. And as she watched everyone else use their bodies for God, she wondered if she had anything to offer him at all. She didn't sleep the whole night. But then she remembered something. She remembered her salvation. God didn't accept her because he had something to offer. Because she had something to offer. He took her in amidst her own sin just as she was. And if he took her from sin in that way just as she was then he'd use her that way too, poor health and all. And so the next day she wrote a hymn, the song that arguably has been used to bring more people to Christ than any other hymn in the history of mankind because it was a hymn they played at just about every invitation of Billy Graham crusades. And the hymn was, Just As I Am. These are the words to that great hymn. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, Sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yea, all I need in thee I find. O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, and relieve. Because thy promise, I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. This morning you may be saying, I have nothing to offer to God. If only you knew my sin, my past. If only you knew how many promises to God I have broken. If only you knew the heartache and pain I've caused my God. And God is saying to you, come. Just as you are. You see, God wants to show his glory through his salvation for you just as you are. Ruth is an example to us of that. Let's finish here in verse 10. And he said, may you be blessed. This is his response. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So Boaz goes to the gate in the morning and he talks to the closer redeemer and says, do you want to buy back the land belonging to Naomi? And he's, he's like, yeah, land, good investment. I'm buying it back. Boaz says, oh, by the way, you get the widow Naomi, and her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth. And you gotta take care of them as well. Plus perform the kinsman redeemer and provide for them an heir and pay for all of that. And he's like, I'm good, I'll pass. So then the wedding happens. God has brought together the beauty and the beast, but that's not the best part of the story. Verse 13 of chapter four. So Boaz took Ruth, she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you his more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the third point this morning. The Redeemer brings the blessing of God to his people. The Redeemer brings the blessing of God to his people. God brought all the blessings of Boaz to Ruth and Naomi in one day. And now he does the same for us. All the blessings that are in Christ are now ours because he has redeemed us. God looks at us as he looks at Christ. We are the redeemed children of God. All the past heartache, pain, suffering, sin, all the long list of all of our problems... God says, you are now a child of God. It seems God has a plan. And instead of bringing about his salvation through what seemingly someone had all the gifts, Samson, the strongest man conquering the Canaanites, While he was off messing around with Canaanite woman, there was a poor Moabite widow who would be the one in whom God would ultimately bring about his own salvation. Through her obedience, God would bring about not only the king of Israel, David, but through her line, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the son of David, who would be the Christ, the Messiah. You see, Samson, he had all the ability and talent in the world. And yet God used Ruth in the days of the judges. God doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need your ability to bring about his work for his glory. He needs your faith to be able to take bold steps of obedience and faith for the Lord. God would bring from the house of bread living water for all nations, come and drink and be satisfied because our God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Ruth, your redemption, your blessing that you bring to us that we are undeserving of Oh Lord, we we cannot even fathom how much you have loved us, how you have taken us from the depths of hell and brought us into the inheritance that is prepared for us. We are unworthy servants, help us to be people of gratitude, of thanksgiving. Help us to be like Boaz, redeemers of those lost, of those seeking refuge. Help us to be a church of restorers, rebuilders in the kingdom of God that we may find grace and mercy for one another in people's time of need. Lord, you are our redeemer, and we thank you. Our response to you this morning is worship unto our God, for he is a good God, redeeming us through Christ. Let us respond, church, in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and worship our King. If you need to respond this morning, the altar is open. For those who need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Respond to your Redeemer, the God of heaven and earth, who restores his creation back to himself. Let's sing the hymn Rob quoted, Just As I Am. Let's sing it loudly, declaring this truth to the Lord.